Today, I am very excited to host an interesting entrepreneur named Joel. Joel is the co-founder and co-CEO of Vigo, which is an edtech scale-up that helps universities and college students to connect with everyone they need on their own learning journeys. Mentors, counselors, advisors, etc. Joel has grown Vigo throughout Australia and the UK and is now focused here in the US. Joel is also passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to learn how to build great products and businesses through his own podcast called Do As I Say, not as I did. On this show, he hosts incredible founders, authors, and experts from the startup ecosystem to answer emails from the audience to talk about their problems that they're really facing within their own businesses. Joel also spends a lot of his time mentoring and coaching other great startups on how to build incredible products as well as product teams. We talk a lot about this today, but the most interesting part of the conversation was understanding how unique everyone's learning journey can be and how Vigo is looking to impact that. Enjoy the show. Joel, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Likewise, I was intrigued to have you be a part of the show for two reasons, if I'm honest. Um, the first being just because I think what your company is doing is so cool and making such a big impact. But for the second reason being that you're Australian and you have a killer accent. <laughs> you know, I actually get a, a lot of that here. So I tell people all the time that like, I'm, I'm not a very fun person. And I'm not that great to hang out with, but no one can tell because I have an Australian accent. So I get invited out to, to, to way more stuff than, than, I, than I deserve to. So hopefully your audience uh, will like this podcast even more just because I have an Australian accent. And they can't even yeah. understand half of the things I'm saying. Yeah, but hey, as long as it sounds pretty, it's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, let's chat about really what's brought you to the US and you know, what you're looking to do and tackle with Vigo because you have a really interesting passion for the space that we call ed tech. And helping especially folks within the higher education system to have a better learning experience. And um, it's really interesting even, I think, where that comes from with you being that you were the first of your family to even go to college. So talk us through that journey of like when the aha moment was of, hey, this is what I want to do to impact higher education, the U.S. education system especially, and to be able to change how students experience interacting with their education. Yeah, look, as you mentioned I didn't really come from a family of education. I, I, as I was growing up, you know, no one in my family had ever gone, had, had ever graduated high school or, or senior school. I'm not sure what it's called here. So like no one, no one had, had ever even gone to the point of considering college. And then on top of that, when, when I started my own educational journey and going through elementary school, I had a lot of learning difficulties. I was the kid that would get pulled out of class. I'd get taught how to read properly and write properly. So I wasn't really like set up to win in the education landscape. But, you know, as I went through, uh, I had like amazing teachers and I, and I had amazing people surrounding me. I even had teachers that would, you know, help me after school or, or like ha- have me teach me on the weekends. And, you know, every time I would read something correctly, they'd give me a gold star. So I did have incredible people around me. And then so as I, as I went through school, I went further and further and, and I got past where my parents had ever been. And I was like, wow, like when I started school, I thought I was dumb. Like I thought I was just a dumb kid. And, and as I went through, I started to think like, actually, you know, maybe there's something in this for me. And, and I graduated school and I, and I made it into college. And it was like this crazy moment for me and, and crazy moment for my family because they were like, wow, like Joel's a genius. And I was like, am I smart now? Like I made it into college. <laughs> this is, no one has ever done this. So like, look what, look where I came from and look what, look at this opportunity that's in front of me. And so, you know, I get into college and I'm like really excited and proud and like, you know, it's this, it's this moment that, that no one had really thought was possible. And I just immediately started failing. 
just kind of across the board. And I was like, oh no, like I was wrong. I'm not smart. And I started to get real stressed out. I'm like, oh shit, you know, I need to try differently. I'll, I'll try studying harder. I'll try more. So like, I just start studying more and more and more. And I just keep failing. You know, it's the the system. I did not know how to, I did not know how to succeed in it. And I get to this point where I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. Cause I'm looking down like one path, the college path where I'm statistically and factually a failure. Like, I don't feel like I'm meant to be there. I don't know how to succeed. And then the other path I'm looking at is like, my dad is like a tradesperson. You know, he, he, he does concreting and building. Both of my brothers do the same job. Two of my uncles do the same job. Like my path is that I'm meant to, it looks like I'm meant to go down that path. So I get to this point, I'm like, I think that's what I'm going to do. I think I, I don't think college is for me. And I was just on campus this one day and this random, this random guy came up to me and I had, I had no idea why. And he's just like, Hey mate, what's going on? How, how are you going? And I was like, not good. I'm having a terrible time here. And I just, you know, I, I just told him everything. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I want to drop out. And he just, he sat down and he said, and this is a quote, he said, first year is really effing hard. And we're Australian, so you know, there's a lot of swearing. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he said, yeah, I failed my first year. And that like, that blew my mind. I was like, you failed? But like, you're in your last year now, like all this kind of stuff. And and it was the first time where, it gives me goosebumps to think about this, but it's the first time where I felt like I really belonged because I thought everyone was killing it. And it was like, no, this is hard for everyone. And it's hard for me. And that's actually okay. And so that, you know, that gave me the confidence to come back the next day and then the next day and the next day. And, and, and I just always think about like the, the ripple effect that this, this person had on my entire life where I kept coming back and then I went from failing to passing because he showed me, you know, there are systems that help you. Like I was doing the wrong classes. I, I didn't know there was practice tests and I went to passing to, to, to getting good grades to graduating with honors. So I could have never imagined. I got my absolute dream job out of college. But more than anything, you know, college was this experience where I got to transform into who I was meant to be. I, I met my wife at college. I, I met my co-founders at college. I met my best friends at college. Like, so if I had have let, you know, that moment win, I, I don't know where I would have been. But now I'm on the other side of the world, helping students in over 100 countries around the world have that same experience I did. So like that person, that one experience, that's the aha moment for me. Because I realized, you know, that there were three fundamental pillars to good learning. There's content. Content is free these days. You know, the, the best content in the world is on YouTube. There's accreditation, you know, helping to see, like, are you actually learning this? And then there's social experience. And social experience, that is what separates someone fr from succeeding and failing. And so I want to give people that experience I had. And, and that's why I started the whole business. And that's why, you know, we now connect students with everyone they need in their journey. Do they need someone social like I did? Do they need a counselor, a mentor, a tutor, an advisor? Everyone needs someone different. So we built a platform that we work with colleges and we bring all those people together. So a student is only ever one click away from that experience they need to, to succeed and to continue on their journey. That's very cool. And you're so right. It's the people and the social pieces that make it a game changer for if it's a positive or a negative experience. Um, I had my own interesting college experience because I was coming from being homeschooled my whole early education which allowed me to jump into college early. I was actually 16 when I first started college. Wow. Siblings went even younger. And for us, it was funny. Um, one, we never thought we were smart until we got into college. And then we like tested off the freaking charts and we're like, oh, wow, wow. we are smart. This is encouraging. Um, but then once we got in, we realized that um, the education we had 
been going through to that day was harder than the college education for sure, like from a content perspective. But what we didn't know was how to, like you said, take the right classes and and where to get the content you need and how to in, interact within the social constructs of what this college experience was versus just for us, it was always get the content done, move on, become a yeah. subject matter expert on a topic, move on. And that just is not how you are necessarily always successful in the college environment. So those are the pieces that in mine and my siblings journey, we had to learn so that we could be overall, you know, good grade students and, and have, you know, the degree finally for me, I just had it mailed. <laughs> I never even walked because it was just like, just give me the degree and let's move on. Uh, but other friends of mine and siblings all did actually go through the walking process, but there was, it was for me more than like education shock. It was culture shock. Yeah. And so I would love to hear more from your perspective and how with Vigo you solved that culture shock element rather than people really worried about pass or fail. Cause even then, when it comes to college, you don't have to be a 4.0 to get your degree. There are certain things you have to be successful in, and it's figuring out those. But would love your your thoughts on, again, how you touch that cultural side of the college experience with your customers and your students you're interfacing with. Yeah. Well, look, like, for example, you and I have very different experiences. I went in. I was not 16. Like, uh, I, I was much closer to, to being an adult. And, and I struggled immediately. You went in. And you just like, you know, test it off the charts. Like we, we had different experiences. So understanding what the experience means to us is very different. And then if you look at like mature age students coming in with kids, like the experience they need is very different as well. So there isn't a set standard experience that works. And that's why, you know, retention is, is failing so much at universities and, and dropping so much is that students are coming in and they're trying to, to serve a, a cookie cutter student a lot of the time. And there isn't a cookie cutter experience anymore. Every person brings with them different experiences and, and goes through different challenges when they're studying. So you need to create customized support for people. And that comes through people. So the person I need on my journey is very different to the person you need on your journey. Like, you know, an, like another guy a couple of years older than me who struggled on their first year, that was perfect for me because like I could see myself in that person. So having someone who, who thinks like you and has had an experience like you and, and, and sounds like you, that's really key because you can see yourself in that in that experience. Whereas for you, you know, you probably needed something completely different to me. But still, like the the best way to connect is by speaking to someone and and having an experience with someone who who has gone through something like you. And you know, the whole underlying principle that that I guess underpins our entire business is I guess like our name Vigo actually comes from this psychologist called Lev Vygotsky. And he was this psychologist like a couple hundred years ago that, that came up with this idea, which was radical at the time, which everyone you know, kind of takes as commonplace these days, which is, or common sense these days, called the social development theory. It says that if you're the student, right, and you're in the center of this, of this big learning circle and you want to learn any kind of piece of content and be on the edge of that circle all the way out, like be a professor of maths or, or a business mogul or whatever, you don't need to learn from someone who's already achieved all of that. You can learn from someone who's just one step ahead of you a peer who's just maybe one one year ahead of you and and the reason is that they understand the content because they've just learned it but more importantly is that they actually understand the social context they understand why it's challenging for you and how to explain it in different ways so that's what that's what people need they need that social context that social experience they need those correct kind of interactions and that generally comes from students 
So as universities and colleges, they expand from 1,000 to 10,000 to, to like 200,000 students at different colleges, you can't get that many staff. You need to expand the social support by empowering the community, the students to help one another. And that's how we do it. You know, we, we are such a big part of what we do is peer support. We obviously, you know, we do industry support and, and staff and counselors, but such a big underpinning, you know, function of, of the way we believe that students should have their experiences to connect with other students on their journey. I think it's huge for, again, the cultural and social aspects we talked about too. If you think of like teacher to student, there's just a different dynamic and there's going to be a hesitation. And like in our case, I don't like to think I'm not like this anymore, but I was definitely a teacher's pet. So it was just like, whatever I can do to make you happy. I remember I got extra credit once for purple staples and I was just like, wow. yeah, this is amazing. I'm like winning, but I was totally brown nosing. Um, <laughs> and hey, maybe it worked, but for me, I would have loved to have a peer-to-peer -peer encouragement and a peer-to-peer -peer understanding and somebody to help me understand like what I really needed to be focusing on um, without an interesting barrier, always looking for a sign of approval from somebody who you know controls my success in the class. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how you're encouraging folks to help each other across different grade levels, maybe across different states, different universities, um, and allow it to stay focused on the ultimate goal of being successful in class versus sometimes those groups can get distracted by, you know, the party lifestyle, things like that. Look, I, I guess one thing that we believe and that we've seen time and time again is that students want to help one another. And a lot of universities they or colleges that they they come to this with the assumption that like we can't get our students to help one another, like they they they're too busy. Like, and that's just fundamentally wrong for two reasons. One is that students love supporting one another; they love giving back. the The second is that sh you're actually depriving students of that chance if you don't allow these systems, because a student having the chance to help someone else that gives them the chance to develop their communication skills, their leadership skills, their employability record. When they're going to get a job, they talk so much about that. Like when you look up Vigo on LinkedIn, we have way more employees than we actually have because everyone says they were a mentor on Vigo because it's it's so important. And, and that kind of mentoring space is, is really key. But but how do you keep it focused? It's, you know, it's it just keeps itself focused a lot of the time. We can, we can the platform can like, give the right context. We, we give out a lot of free training to people, but students want the right support and students want to give the right support. There, there are times and places where there, there are parties of social events for people to go to and students know that, but when, when they're on a university system or a college system and they're looking for academic support, you know, they come to the platform and that's what's there. The people in there, they know they're giving academic support. So uh, it's never something that we, I guess we have to actively design too much just because when someone comes in, they're signing up for academic mentoring, like the, the precedent is set that that it's there for academic support or social support or any of the kind of support you want. But I'd also say that like social is such a big element of this is that, that sometimes we try and create way more of the social environment. Like I actually think the most effective and needed kind of support on campus is social. And, and that doesn't have to be in person. It can be online um, or, or a combination of both. So we try and build out more and more and more social programs, which actually are maybe not parties, but but closer to that on the spectrum than 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 the academic side of things. Because I actually think just having something to talk to, like what I had, that was more social support. And then he showed me, you know, where, where the, the social gatherings were, where the places on campus to hang out were. That's just what I needed. Later on, I needed academic support, but I think uh, you actually want to encourage more of that social behavior. 
And when you're encouraging the social behavior, are you grouping them more by major, you know, age, where they're from, um, specific, you know, topics yeah. and things of interest of theirs? Or is it, um, you know, more broad even than that? That's a really good question. It kind of depends on the on the college we're working with. So we we first of all get someone into a support service. So is this a social, you know, first year mentoring program or is it an academic program? Um, and then the kind of program depends on how we match. So at the beginning, sometimes we keep it much more broad that we just want to connect first years and first years, like people that are new to, to this and they just want to connect with someone who's who's also going through the same experience at the same time. Or, you know, if it's uh, a social mentoring program, which is more based on sports, we might uh, connect based on like similar interests in that kind of space. If it's a tutoring program, we'll absolutely connect on like the exact classes and topics that you're learning at the time. If it's uh, industry mentoring, we'll connect on the kind of industry you want to go into. So it's very dependent on the kind of support that someone's looking for or the kind of connection that someone's looking for. And we, we work very much with the college to do that. But also we're, we're working with Dr. Steve Carter, who uh, is or was the chief data scientist at Facebook and, and you know, one of the early employees, if not the, the co-founder of eHarmony, to help us understand how to use those um, human matching kind of like algorithms and apply that in an education setting. Because he spent years and years and years understanding data and how that can be used to connect you know, the right people for, for different settings and seeing how that can be done in the education world. That's really cool. Interesting. Be weird world we live in the future if you get to swipe for your <laughs> your classmates, uh, but you never know. Um, the more that you have these data points on people, yeah, like you said, the more you can group people together that can really benefit each other. What about from the university perspective? How are the universities able to incorporate Vigo into their strategies, their systems, and their student base? Yeah, great question. So. Right now, what, what I said was like, there are three fundamental pillars to learning and social experience is one of them. Universities and colleges know this, and that's why they're investing more and more and more money every year on running different support services. So most colleges spend somewhere like over $5,000 per year per student on these kind of activities outside of the classroom. That's a lot of money to spend on this. And the reason it's so expensive because they're just running sometimes over a hundred different support services for their students. You know, a first-year mentoring program, an engineering first-year mentoring program, a, a maths study program, a maths tutoring program, a counseling program, an advising program, a career program. All these different services are actually competing with one another, and they're often having huge amounts of overlap. So the university knows that they need to invest, so they keep running service after service after service, but they don't know how to bring them all together. So they end up having a lot of these services that actually compete with each other and cannibalize. So they're creating this really bad system where there's services fighting for attention. So pulling services away from this, this is what they actually need. And they're, they're duplicating their efforts. So it's even more expensive to run. So we, for a university, we bring that all together. So for the first time, they can actually get data of what services are they actually running? You know, are they running two of the same services? Great. Can they combine them? And can they start to save on costs of running those? Then because it's all online, it can infinitely scale because a lot of these services are run out of spreadsheets and, and you know Zoom calls. And a lot of the time still knocking on doors. I actually went to a campus in the last three years. I won't say who they are, but I, I was, I'm always interested in how you get a tutor. And I said, hey, how do I get a tutor here? And I went to this building. They gave me a form. 
I had to fill the form out and scan it back. Or an option on the form was a fax number. And I was like, what students do you think are going to have faxes back to you? Um, so like, it's, it's all so hard to engage with. So for, because we make this so easy for students to engage, they can engage on campus or they can engage anywhere online. Like we only serve customers in three different countries, but we serve students in over a hundred different countries because students learn from everywhere in the world. A lot of these universities are helping students overseas. So we're not just punishing the students for not being on campus. We're actually helping those. So because we're asynchronous and geographically unbound, we get a whole lot more engagement in our services. It's a whole lot easier to use instead of faxing a form. Um, we let a student just get the right person in one click whenever they need, whoever they need. And then because we're constantly having the same kind of engagement, a student comes in, we can push them to the next service that's right to them. Hey, you had a tutoring program. Now we think you need a mentoring program, et cetera. And then we have this data that the university can use to run better services. What kind of help are students actually asking for? Instead of optimizing a service, they get to optimize for cohorts and actually give students the help they need. I think that's good. And you hit the nail on the head of the universities wanting the data of how it's actually used because a lot of times I'm sure that can get lost in the mix of like who actually showed up who benefit from this scenario. Nobody's filling out surveys. So if you think you're getting opinions from 20 year olds about what they thought of your after school program via a survey, like keep dreaming. Um, yeah. So I love that you have the insights into how these students are actually engaging, where they're getting mentorship, where they're getting peer support and able to feed this back at the university level for them to be able to react accordingly and continue to invest in the areas that make sense based on how folks are responding. Yeah, for a long time, universities have known they needed to do this. They just didn't know how. Like, how can they automate when there are no services that can bring this together? So for the first time, we give them that data and you know, it allows them to make much better decisions because data lets you make better decisions in general. Well, now I want to talk about your other side of your life and focus that you have today with your podcast, though I know you have multiple podcasts. The Do As I Say podcast is your front focus today. Tell us a little bit about the vision and mission with that podcast. Absolutely. So you can probably tell from the way I talk about education. I just love connecting with people and, and, and supporting people along their own journey. And I felt, you know, as I've gone through, through my own startup journey, there's just been so much that so many questions that I had and so many questions that I wanted answered. I just couldn't find the right answers to online. I couldn't see experts talking about it. So I thought I'm going to, I'm going to build my own podcast in this space and I'm going to answer the real questions about what's happening in startups. So I started this podcast, do as I say, I bring on, you know, just insanely smart people, whether they're other founders or investors or sales experts or, you know, um, AI developers or just incredibly smart people. I bring them together and then I find real questions about what's happening in people's businesses, you know, what challenges they're facing, what co-founder issues, AI technical modes, or how to run a sprint for the first time. Things that I struggle with myself, but real questions that we find on Reddit or that our audience sends in, and then we just workshop them together. What is the advice here? So I call it a startup advice show. So I'm actually not even interviewing my guests. We're kind of like co-hosts just working out what is this person going through and how can they get out of this situation? And so I love it. I have, it's just insanely fun for me to record um, it's, it's a really fun way to, to kind of bring these experts and, and, and share different advice with people. Very cool. So on the topic of advice, I would love to give you a moment of sharing advice with the folks listening and it's around principles. I want to hear from you. What is the core principle that you've lived by to be successful in business? Core principle. 
I've never really, you know, thought about this being a principle, but the the one belief I have is that the the power of your community will dictate the the quality of your and success of your business and the quality of your life. So the more incredible people you surround yourself with, the more just complete unknown opportunities that will present themselves in your life. I heard this quote years and years ago, which said, the the average salary of the five closest people around you, or your salary, sorry, is the average of the five closest people around you. That's insane. I don't know if like if that's like statistically or factually true, but the idea is definitely true. The people you surround yourself with to such a large extent uh, shape your life for better or for worse. So if you're really conscious of who you surround yourself with, the the ability for you to grow and to, to find new opportunities and and you know new ways to have fun and 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 new business like ideas will just come to you with that. So always just be really conscious of. of meeting incredible people and surrounding yourself with incredible people that, that you want to become like and that you want to learn from. And, and it's way easier to build that community than you think with, if you're just happy to put yourself out there and, and send a message. It's amazing. Well, Joel, thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing your inspirational story and more about Vigo. I'll make sure all the links are in the show details here for people to find you and to continue to support you on your journey. So thanks again for sharing. Amazing. Thanks for having me on. It was a fun conversation. Thank you.